the best aliens of all time. Would Total Recall count as an alien movie? A three-titted lady, that counts. <laughs> the best alien, in my opinion, is Chewbacca. The Shadow Crew Podcast. He bought a he bought a PlayStation Five and it came. It was a PlayStation Two and a PlayStation Three duct taped together. And it equals five. <laughs> that was what that was like one of my favorite things. <laughs> hey, uh, welcome to the welcome to the Shadow Cruise podcast, everyone. You caught us uh, mid bullshit, uh, but we're we're excited for you all to come and listen and join uh, uh, the cast. Um, we were just jumping into a bunch of things, and we thought, what better way to start this episode of the cast? Then to jump right into the meat and potatoes of our best of series. And this week it is the best alien based movies of all time. So we're not talking about just alien, like the alien movies, but anything with an alien in it. Now, let's be clear, everyone. I think for, for this group, what are we talking about here? Because there's aliens in a lot of films. So let's like specify because this could go, we could name 900 movies, to be honest with you. So what are the qualifications of it being truly an alien film? A creature yes, from a different from... planet than Earth? Yeah, that makes sense. Like okay. the Lagoon? As the main character, are we saying? Like the, the primary character? No. I, okay. Can, I mean, the alien in Alien is not the main character. Okay. All right. Would Total and Recall I, count as an alien movie? If you count the mutants that were born on Mars, maybe. Okay. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. Three-titted lady. That counts. <laughs> With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, this will be a four-hour podcast of the best of series. No, but in all seriousness, let's begin. Um, and I'll throw the first one out because we we're just talking about it. E.T. is definitely one of the, one of the first, at least when I was a young, young child, E.T. was... Uh, you know, I was I was a wee tot, but E.T. was definitely one of those uh, first alien fam family friendly movies. The uh, Spielberg um, iconic, even to this day. Super sad that the ride is closed, um, but one of the best. Everyone agrees. The E.T. ride is out of this world. I got on a bike and I rode with E.T. The special effects are great. It's spectacular. It's, it's for everyone. everyone. It's great. I've never flown like this before. E.T. said my name. Oh. Ride the movies at Universal Studios Hollywood. I love E.T. I was just going to talk about that, too. Like, you say E.T., like, my brain honestly goes straight to Universal Studios, <laughs> yep. Hollywood, uh, the E.T. ride. That's that's just where my brain went. Goodbye, like, yeah, chat. <laughs> yeah. You know, every person gonna, that's listening is going to think we're sponsored by Universal Studios because exactly. the past three podcasts we've referenced, <laughs> we promise we're not no. sponsored. Although, if the phone rang... We'd pick it up. Absolutely. That's for sure. I will accept Universal Studios money. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. And I don't know. Also, before I don't you, know if you, he'd call him E.T., I did look this up. He is an Asogian from the Green oh, Planet, yeah, also that. known as Brodo Asagi. <clears throat> mm. Okay. Obviously, and was he... it's important information. 
Yeah, well, because wasn't he did didn't his species make a cameo in the Star Wars? Which Star Wars was that? Uh, Episode one. Yes, they were yes. in the Senate. If you all don't remember, that's a. What? A, if, yes, if you watch episode mm-hmm. one, they are one of the aliens. His, yes, in one of the pods. Mm-hmm. It There's was his, three of them. His, yes. <laughs> so, go watch it because it is a two-second little cameo, but worth the watch. Which you got a question, the uh, Galactic Senate, because. Uh, you know, I don't know if they should have gotten him in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that and the, and the Dungans were the two species were like, maybe maybe you should have other people making your decisions for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't understand because, you know, all of the all of the uh, different uh, um, alien species were talking about, like, what they're going to do with, you know, this this evil evilness that's going to uh, spread throughout the galaxy and they raised their hand and they were like what about Reese's pieces will that help and you know it was super quiet so um that didn't happen but maybe the uh, deleted scenes that would be pretty amazing to see that was that product placement and Lucas was like I just can't go for that I was like take it out <laughs> well the last time anybody had Reese's pieces by the way uh, probably since ET a couple weeks ago I love Reese's Pieces. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Brantley, you're one of us. (laughs) I love that they went to the Mars company and they were like, can we use M&M's? They're like, no shit, no, we're not. We're not going to. And they're like, okay, we'll do Reese's Pieces. And uh, well, and that's 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 why I'm having Reese's Pieces to this day and not eating M&M's. So they screwed up. Well, I don't know. I'm eating the M&M's, brother, so I don't know. They, they, do, they do it pretty good. Uh, for me, I'm going to say uh, the species, I don't know the name because he never actually had a name, but I remember it did scare the, the living crap out of me, was uh, The Thing, when John Carpenter's The Thing, because mm-hmm. that could mimic anyone, and you know it has one of the best scenes, and in fact, uh, there was a Halloween photo that I saw on Instagram uh, like in the last couple of weeks, and he had some guy did his dog and he dressed him up and he had like the thing like exploding from the dog and everything. It was a great costume. <laughs> just like, I don't think anybody else other than some of our age got the reference and everything. But I was like, oh, that's just wrong, man. <laughs> well, I'm going to say the alien from uh, M. Night Shyamalan signs, probably one of the <laughs> creepiest scenes uh, where the alien walks by. I remember that epic uh, sequence in the movie theater. Um, so whatever alien species they were, Signs is definitely a really good alien film. Well, they had the stupidest weakness of any alien <laughs> on the planet, though, because <laughs> water, which Earth is made up of 70% water, it's in the atmosphere. They, if they were going through a cornfield at night like they were, they would have been hit with little droplets of water all over. So these are stupid, stupid, stupid aliens. They came to yep. the wrong planet. Well, so far, those have been the top three on the list, actually. The Dungan, CT, <laughs> and now the aliens from uh, Sides. Yeah, well, think... Xenomorph, right? Alien uh-huh, films. Let's uh-huh. just get that out of the way. And all the, yes. you know, all the aliens in that, like, epic top alien films, for sure. Um, 
it could probably just the best killers ever. Oh yeah. Um, and also what hunts it, the predator. Yes. Absolutely. Which to be quite honest with you, I think he might be the the top kind of like alien, you know, because the predator just like you know, he's he's factored in almost in every kind of like genre. He's fought like almost everyone across the board. You go through if you go through comics, him and Batman squared it down. Uh if you go through like, you know, they've done a film where they've the two franchises, the alien versus predator. So, you know, he's he's kinda like one of those debatable uh aliens that's the top of his game, man. Obviously, with my setup, my background, you can tell that the alien species that I really think is the best is the Klingons. Mm. They are the best. They're very honorable warrior. You don't mess with them. And also, the most feared creature in the Klingon Empire, a Tribble. It's the only thing that they're afraid of. You just broke out every damn prop you had in the house tonight, huh? Oh, I'm not done. There's there's all sorts of props around me. I can't walk. <laughs> now, let's not forget, uh, not the LeBron James version, but the Michael Jordan oh, version. Uh, come on now. Like the... The what was the Monstars? The Monstars. Come on. I mean, no. I'm not saying the movie was amazing, but that's a bunch of alien basketball players fighting Michael Jordan, Bugs Bunny. They got to count. That LeBron James version, again, talking about Thanos needs to snap that out of the universe because that should have never been made. I don't know but. because right now, the way the Lakers have been playing, the Monsters probably could beat them. <laughs> That's true. We make some calls. That's the start of the NBA. <laughs> does anyone know the aliens, like who the aliens were from Cowboys versus Aliens? I don't remember the name of the aliens. I don't either. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I barely remember Bad. the movie. No, no, no. no. <laughs> well, it was by John Favreau. So. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's yeah. unforgettable, brother. It's unforgettable. I mean, <laughs> I I I'm always gonna have a, a place in my heart for Alf. Yeah. Hey, Willie. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. What, what about the alien from Independence Day? Oh, yes. Will Smith? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was a little disappointed in that alien when I first saw it, but then there's newfound appreciation when I've watched that movie again. Like, it didn't need to be super scary. And um, I definitely uh, iconic that film. So. I don't know what the hell the, the actual character uh, and, alien species was, but it's definitely up there. And when you say you were disappointed, I thought you were going to go to the Will Smith thing. <laughs> I, I somehow didn't think you were talking about the alien. I was like, okay, well, where are we going on this? <laughs> uh, one, I know for the video game ones, and actually I saw, um, I haven't, I, I've never really played the game, but I did watch uh, some of the animated um little movies they did was the covenant from uh from halo um i did watch that series uh i didn't think the series was was really that good that's probably why it's got only one season <laughs> but uh i did i've uh, seen the animated uh shorts and the videos that they've done and, and that's a pretty bad race brother yeah the covenant i mean the covenant was good in halo like that i remember you're going through 
one level and all it is is just like the covenant attacking you and you just keep running out of bullets it was massive it was really good halo i think halo was ahead of its time to be yeah. honest yeah it's still it still holds up it's still really good but um there's too many too many hands took over and and swapped and it just became stupid but the covenant the covenant is really good the the um gears of war the alien race from mm. gears of war is mm-hmm. epic that's, that's 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 an alien race where like if that yeah. shit did happen like we would be screwed like that's eh, not good the locusts isn't that the yeah. name yeah 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 for sure i think uh two tom cruise films that stand out war of the worlds the mm-hmm. remake mm-hmm. That, that was really those, good those alien like the that, that was that was cool and then uh the edge of tomorrow was cool too mm-hmm. it was like weird like octopus fast moving things super underrated movie too we were talking about mm-hmm. it before the cast like underrated films edge of tomorrow is really good i think yeah. they were trying to make a sequel i don't know what happened to that but uh that was when i had no expectations and i was like damn really good well that's one you'd also have to get the script very tight and very correct because the first one you do you know with all the time loop stuff oh yeah you have to be so focused on that there can't be any loopholes or anything so you know i can see why that would take a long time it's like if everything isn't right there's no point in doing it Mm -hmm. how about the uh the visitors from v you know that's Mm -hmm. always uh you know that was a creepy series in the 80s when that came on (laughs) in the same light the aliens from They Live, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That uh, had infiltrated Earth, and you got to see what the hell they look like without their the human skin. That was kind of creepy. No one's no one said Coneheads yet. <laughs> no, but yes, uh, but I believe they were from France. So <laughs> they, they, yeah, they were from France. Uh, there was also Paul. Oh yeah, the Paul, yeah. The Paul movie. Yeah, uh, was that Simon Seth Rogen? Seth Rogen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, the bugs from Starship Troopers. Oh yeah, oh, oh those yeah. guys are great. Yeah, mm. very underrated first film, man. It's got one of the the, the best kind of sequences that you see in films, especially the CGI. I actually went to go um, myself. And my cousin got a like advanced screen to the movie, and I guess it was a test audience, and he didn't have any of the CGI. So basically what they put on the screen was like, you know, alien bug here. It was just a sign. And we were like, well, you know, it's like we got to see what those aliens look like. But it looks like it's a pretty good movie. And then when I saw the film with all the CGI and everything, it was like, wow, it was they took that to another level. The, the bugs were way more scarier um, than I anticipated when you just didn't see the special effects or anything. So I think it's a very Did- underrated sci fi film. Did they change much from what you saw, like out of the human story? Did they cut no. a lot of that? No, that was almost all there. It was just that, like I said, again, they just had like whenever there was supposed to be an alien or something, they put a sign up saying alien here or, and that was in the early days of like the CGI where, you know, I was thinking like, how are they going to do this? Because he didn't even have in certain scenes, the, um, the total green mat. Um, you know, a placement of things. So it was like they were basically acting and there was like no one there. And you're like, hmm, how is this going to work? And then when you saw them on the screen, it's like, wow, they, 
that was that took a heck of a lot. You know, not like when you see now the tennis balls and everything else like they'd use. That was way pre before then. Well, Star Wars had tons of aliens in it, but the best alien, in my opinion, is Chewbacca. So I'm going to put him on the list mm-hmm. of legendary aliens. Um, and then we have the uh, the Mars Attacks aliens uh, oh, as well. So, so uh, got to throw the got to throw them in there. Those are those are good. I like Mar- Mars Attacks is an underrated movie. Mm-hmm. I think, but yeah, I agree. You know, I agree. And another um, alien from Mars is Marvin the Martian <laughs> from Looney Tunes. Oh, we're going way back, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Take it, yeah. Uh, we don't talk about uh, the District 9 aliens. No. no. Yeah. District 9 was That's pretty rad. great movie. Yeah. I like District 9 because a lot of it was practical effects, and that was great. And it was because they made them just like slumlords. What was that really bad? <laughs> what was that? What was that really bad Netflix film with Will Smith and they were no, cops? He had, yeah. he had he had an alien as a cop, and it just got like oh, demolished. Oh my online. goodness! I haven't thought of that since it released. Mm-hmm. What, what was no, that was, movie? Wasn't he an orc or something? He was, was, he was an he was an orc. Yeah, it was because yes. it was a fantasy thing, right? Yeah, no, 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 but but he was a cop orc. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell it was. Yeah, because the the fairies lived and elves lived in Beverly Hills. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell was the name of that? Oh, I'm looking. At, I'm looking it up right now because oh. I can't. Uh, if you look right now, man. quick, type it in the comments. It was called Bright. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. It was anything it but was that. Not bright. Yeah. <laughs> it actually. But it got so. It got so much shit for the for uh for the orcs well you also remember that was the the first time they promoted that with the like the super bowl and they were saying that you know that that was like the first time they had done a movie for netflix it was going to bypass the theater so they made a big deal out of it i just think it was the the wrong movie for them they had used and everything because it was such a decisive film it's like my goodness i think david acres yeah that was that was a mistake. <laughs> that was a total mistake. Netflix probably never downlived that one. And I think they, what was the next one um, they did was off of, um, what was it, J.J. Abrams' property that they had done. Oh, they the, did the Cloverfield Project? Yeah, they did the same stunt, like, I think a year or two later, and that backfired as well. So, you know, I don't think we'll see Netflix do any more grand uh, yeah. designs like that. What was that other one? He was with his son in the movie? After, after Earth. After Earth. Earth. Yeah, M. Night Solomon. <laughs> that one was uh, just not good. Yeah. No. Yeah. And actually, the funny thing, too, is that there's um, After Earth, and then there's a, um, oh, God, I'm trying to think. I think it was, um, but it was exactly stolen um, from the exact same After Earth kind of scenario. I think I'm trying to think of the... Um, oh, is that the Adam Driver one? The Adam Driver film, yes. 65. Uh, 65. Yeah. Ugh. It was exactly I, like I After couldn't. Earth in the same kind of, <laughs> you know, same story, same kind of situation. And uh, same, like, di- dynamics, an older individual and a child. And they have to make a trek through the planet. It's just, it was the same exact storyline. 
I do think that 65 pulled it off way better than um, After Earth with uh, M.I. Shalomon. I thought that it, it was a, a little bit more interesting of a film, but same kind of premise almost. I just remember 65 being a really good napping movie. <laughs> yeah. you, you spent um, 65 minutes of the film sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I did like Aliens in the Attic. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember that one. You don't, you don't remember that? That was like, uh, what was that one? That was like 2000. Yeah, early. Two, two, it's like 2009, something mm. like that. They were like ghetto aliens in the <laughs> fucking. It was so bad. Uh, there's one that's like, well, for me, it's totally my childhood. But um, what's his what's his nuts that plays Ant Man? I'm for, I'm forgetting his name. Paul Rudd. Yeah, yeah. Paul Rudd always brings a clip of this uh, movie to uh, <laughs> interviews, but it's Mac and <laughs> Mac and me. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Do you remember, yes. Do you remember that? Like that was like that was like 1988 or some shit like that. And uh, yeah. I only watched it. I mean, I know I watched it when I was a kid. Like I know I saw that when I was a kid. But <laughs> but I but I also went back and watched it after Paul Rudd just kept like bringing that on. And uh, I mean, it's hard to watch, <laughs> but it's an alien movie. <laughs> Well, uh, one one that I actually really liked was uh, Cocoon. Yes, nobody talks about Cocoon anymore. No, but no, Cocoon that. is Cocoon is Cocoon is like that's like prime movie. From I was like going to say 80s. it's prime Gutenberg is what you have there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's just it's a really good it's a really good movie. How I, I don't know how old do you think? Wilfred Brimley was in that movie. I know how old he was because I'm it's, older than him now. Isn't it crazy? I always thought like <laughs> like watching that as a kid, you would think like they were 85. Years no, old. he was like 47. It's, like, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. Oh boy. Yeah, that shit had Don Amici in it. Yeah. Wow. All those, yeah, Jessica Tandy. There was a lot. Do you all remember uh, batteries not included? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so good. Were they aliens? I forget. I think so. In right? batteries not included? Yeah. Yeah. They're aliens. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. Prime what Steve a- Gutenberg. Yeah. Police <laughs> Academy. I know it's not an alien film, but I'm thinking there's about a good four or five films and then fell <laughs> off the map. <laughs> uh, uh, Gremlins. Well, I don't know if they're an alien. Weren't they a science experiment or something? Well, no. All we know is the Chinese man born. had him in Chinatown, and uh, you know, don't know where they came from. Sounds yeah. like the COVID origin story. What the hell? Then <laughs> <laughs> we should have watched Gremlins. From a we lab in Wuhan <laughs> came the Gremlins. Oh boy! Well, one of the best aliens is Superman. Kal-El. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, at least he came for good. He could have, you know, ended up being a real asshole, and then we'd all be screwed. Well, the like other- Superman Red, like Superman Red Son, exactly. Yeah. Well, the other Kryptonian just showed up, did that well. <laughs> yeah. so. 
Who is that? Where, I liked it when he threw him in the mirror and they were just all yes. like, flying, uh, flying, flying around the mirror. Yeah. Uh, Chris Reeves. Mm-hmm. I miss you. Well, I think I think the Warner Brothers definitely misses uh, the nostalgia of, of Christopher Reeve as Superman up until, like, well, I guess, the third film. <laughs> they have no problem putting him uh, in a Flash movie. They did, yeah. Nor apparently uh, Nicolas Cage either, who didn't know about that. <laughs> Where they uh, paid him for that performance. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. They He said that that's not what he did on stage. He came in, got in a suit, and did a whole scene. But all they did was use his body and, and redo his face to do lasers coming out of his eyes. He's like, that wasn't even in the scene. There was no spider. There was none of that. <laughs> Well, that, that sounds like a Warner Brothers decision. <laughs> yep. Now, one of the creepiest scenes in Alien movie history is fire in the sky sequence when he's abducted and he's recalling the events and they're like probing him. Probably one of the most realistic because mm. those are the fears you read in books of people being captured and then let, let back go. But those were kind of cool to see those aliens. That was like very typical of what you've seen other people's reports to be. I would say that being my top five super creepy alien sequences. Yeah, that and communion had like oh, the yeah. gray alien. Yes. Uh, very yeah. freaky. Mm, super creepy. I read that book, uh, Communion, when it came out and I was not able to go to sleep for like two days after it because I thought as soon as I closed my eyes, the aliens were going to come get me. I was like 17 years old and I'm like, I shouldn't be scared, but I know that they're going to get me. (laughs) And see, I I like to think of like, you know, an alien with hope. And like it's instead of always like if they're going to come, they're going to be evil or something. So I always thought of uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind where they just come and they just like you know they they did some experiments they took some World War II guys and they just uh, grabbed up some other individuals but then they returned them back and mm-hmm. they were ready to hand man a little epic ride and everything now we don't know after like you know the, that sequel maybe bad things happened but well, up until they got on the ship everything looked like it was good and they can get down on the synthesizer too they definitely can. Mm-hmm. Or uh, one of the, I think it still holds up today, but it's uh, uh, how to serve man from the Twilight Zone episode because like they had you totally fooled. They were like, "Hey, we're gonna take over everything," and then my man is like on the spaceship is like, "Oh God, this went terribly wrong." <laughs> it's always one of those things that says, "Listen to your first thought." <laughs> Listen to your first thought. Everybody's like, "Oh no, it's good. I'm gonna take a trip and everything." It's like, ooh, that was the last trip. You, you know, being that it's, uh, you know, the Shadow Crew podcast, I don't want to upset him and not talk about Suburban Commando. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I think there's something to say about Suburban Commando because Hulk Hogan was one buff alien. Yeah. 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 It's true. Yeah, I think that was not it. as buff as Drax, but close. No, but close, yeah. But close. But I do think that movie suplexed his uh, career. <laughs> 
we could go on forever talking about aliens. Um, I think maybe the next best of series is ghosts. <laughs> and speaking of ghosts, my favorite ghost of all time, Slimer from Ghostbusters. What do you all think about Stay Puff? No, well, that's close. That's a close, close second. Yeah. What do you all think of this Ghostbusters stuff going on? Another one, Afterlife. Now this new trailer that hit. Um, I'm curious. You got Paul Rudd. You got the the kid from Stranger Things. Is it, a, is it a no go? Yeah, is it a no go for you, or are they doing I mean, Bill... right by the franchise? I mean, they they wrecked it once by trying to do the all female cast. It didn't quite click for me, but um, it wasn't because it was all females. It was just not, not good. Bad, it was bad writing. Um, but what do you all think? Look, Bill Murray's in it, so I'll probably watch it. But I got to be honest with you, like. The first one they did, whatever that was, is Afterlife or something. Like I, I it was cool. It, it was, but it was only, the only reason why I liked it was because it was like the like cameos from like the original crew. <laughs> like I don't think that the storyline was very good. Like I, I just it's like you have this angsty teenager who doesn't want to live somewhere because the mom classically can't afford to do anything so they get something that's a handout and everyone bitches about it but something's cool about it like cool next next plot line like i don't know frozen frozen empire like i don't know like elsa's just pissed off like what are we doing here like Ghostbusters, like Elsa's Revenge should be the title, but you know, I don't they don't want to give thoughts. it away. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, I you have to pay your ticket to get in and see Elsa <laughs> to find out that it's Elsa. <laughs> yeah. Let it go. I think the, the direction that they've made on this one was I naturally thought that when they were going to say, Hey, they're going to do a new Ghostbusters movie, uh, at one point before Afterlife, I thought they were just going to reboot the cast. Not basically use like you know Bill Murray. Or anything. I thought they were going to go in a like Star Trek kind of scenario where they just got new actors in and just put them in a timeline. But uh, I thought to do the kick it down to like the the young youth kind of thing, and everybody knows how to you know use proton packs and the rest of the kind of thing. It I didn't think Afterlife was. It, you can sit through it. It's not a it's not a terrible film, but it's just not a lot of substance in it. And um, I, when I saw the new Frozen Empire, I was like, I saw the trailer. I was like, it looks a little bit like they just did the same thing, but now they moved them to New York. So you know, I, I think if if this one it doesn't do a huge box office, I could see them possibly either putting a hiatus to the franchise or just doing a complete reboot again. And that'll be like what the third reboot for this franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think the problem with Ghostbusters, in my opinion, is that it's so attached to Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Like when I think Ghostbusters, like the sarcasm, the wit, like he's like I get Aykroyd and everyone else, but it's kind of Bill Murray at the helm. Right. And that's the problem I also had with like when they tried to reboot Han Solo film. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's it's Harrison Ford. I know like I'm, I'm not trying to be picky. I'm not saying Harrison Ford has to be Han Solo for the next hundred years. But like you really got to nail it. Otherwise, it feels a bit off. And I thought this Ghostbusters Afterlife was 
I don't know. It was, there's a lot, there's lacking that element. I don't know. And I'm, maybe they can recapture it this time around. Well, I think it's a cool franchise. Like, I don't want it to stop because of that. But it just felt like that was the missing piece of my, my, Bill Murray stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's a good point. Like my issue is is that Ghostbusters became a film where the on-screen chemistry of everybody involved that was a Ghostbuster was just really well done. Mm-hmm. Like it was just really good on on-screen chemistry. But that was that was a thing back in back back when a lot of movies were being made back then is like they they casted based on like the chemistry of the people in the room and so like the ghostbusters the, the conversations you watch in like the first ghostbusters they just seem like conversations that would really f-ing happen if ghosts were like having and yeah bill murray uh definitely is is carrying the mantle in terms of just like People at the time would go watch it because Bill Murray, you know, like get Caddyshack, all that other stuff. But like, I don't know. Like, I I think that it's just where where I find like this missing for me in these movies is like I don't know if it's a I can't tell if it's a combination of like the writing isn't hitting right or the chemistry isn't clicking on the people they're casting because they're just trying to get people into the roles. And and if you watch like Ghostbusters one, the original, and then watch like any of the new reboots, right? It's because the original Ghostbusters, like let's be honest, it's not like a you're not gonna win any awards on the writing, but it was just it was a fun popcorn movie and ended up being like a cultural phenomenon. So how do you how do you how do you reboot something that's that is weighted that heavy and do it right if you don't spend the time finding because i think they could have found chemistry for people to play to carry the mantle of ghostbusters but i just don't think they're taking the time to do that well that first movie was a comedy ghostbusters afterlife was not a Mm. comedy it had some humorous bits in it but it wasn't a comedy movie and it was like drama that's yeah that's what was missing i think is because the first two movies the second one they lean way more into a little goofy comedy but the first one is like real guys that just happen to be goofy guys uh some Mm -hmm. of them and the ghosts are treated seriously you know there's they're not being funny that librarian is scary at the beginning you know, uh, all this stuff, The even though it's silly that a giant uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man comes in, the creature that's starting it is not. It's, you know, it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're missing some of that combination, I think. It's, you know, it, but it just wasn't a comedy. It didn't have that same feel. You know, so, yeah. it was surprisingly enough that... Bill Murray was not the original. It was Aykroyd wrote it with John with John Belushi or Jim Belushi, John Belushi no, John. before he passed. Mm. And um, I think he he wanted like Eddie Murphy to be in it at some point. Yeah, I don't know. I heard that. But he to your point, Chat. Like he they wrote it because they were like friends. They were on SNL. There's not a lot of that in Hollywood anymore. Mm-hmm. I think the no. closest you have to kind of that feeling that way from a comedic element is like that whole like Apatow, Seth Rogen, those all those dudes that kind of work together, some of the female characters. 
it's kind of dissipated, but there was a good 10 year stint where they all did different films and it gelled really well. Some like really good things came out of that. But overall, like the comedy stuff feels just like too Hollywood. And uh, that's what I think. Unfortunately, this will probably feel like again. Well, you know, here's my this is this is a theory I have, and I'll and I'll, I'll throw it out there with this Ghostbuster thing, right? Like, I think that. So if I if if we were to say, cool, here's here's the Shadow Crew production for movies, and someone came to us with a movie idea and they wanted it, I would give such a tight. F- budget that they would have to be creative right so like i like i would say your cgi budget is like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. find some college interns and make a movie because if you go back and look at all the movies that we love all the movies that have been staples in our lives like the budgets weren't very big for the movies for the time. Like there, there were definitely like some, some top budgets back in the day. You could argue any Peter Jackson movie. Like, I mean, you could, you could argue that. Right. But if you go back and look at some of the better movies that just, that, that just hit and popped and like exploded and became cultural phenomenons, they weren't, they weren't high budget movies. And they're still fantastic to watch. And Ghostbusters, I don't know what the budget was. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was up there because of the names behind it, writing it, and SNL. Like obviously has its weight, but it's ob- It's also like the original Ghostbusters budget wasn't as big as what the budgets are for the new ones. Yeah. And and there's something about when you're when you're like uh we we and and I think we kind of talked about it a little bit just in in like the comics like a few podcasts back as well. Like you got like Marvel DC, that's like you know McDonald's money in in reference to like restaurants. Like doesn't matter if you lose a hundred million dollars, it's McDonald's money. We don't care. But in movies, I think that a lot of people get comfortably lazy writing and creative wise when you know you have a lot of money. And and so I think if you if you look at it and you go, okay, how could we make this movie better? And like, is there anything, is there anything to like, here's a version of the movie that would be like, you know, X amount of money. And then here's a version of the movie that would be less, right? Which one would you want to fund? Because I think when, when you're, when you're tight on that stuff, you just come up with way more creative ideas, right? Like maybe you don't have enough money to show everything at once. So that leaves a level of suspense, right? Like what? Like I'll go back to this. What What was the budget for the original Saw movie? Right? No. Oh, yeah. Very. Low. It was in one. It was in mm. one room, and at the end of that movie, <laughs> the asshole gets up from the ground after everybody has like demolished, like just ruined themselves, and you just walked out of that, and you're like, "That where has this movie been?" Right? But that budget was small because they they need to prove something that was back in the day of like Lionsgate, like kind of like finding their own their own thing. But I just think that's what's ruining a lot of these movies, like with Ghostbusters, like here's here's two hundred million, three hundred, four hundred million dollars. Go make a movie. And then everyone just sits back and like, let's write. Let's write over half of this movie in CGI and offload that shit to some CGI bin and let them and let them just make our movie and then we'll try to make it look cool on green screen. Uh, I'm not into it. 
I think that's been the major problem with like all this lately Marvel stuff where absolutely they've got so much money that they can afford to reshoot and reshoot and you know oh well you know we're gonna have to redo this ending so yep. uh, make everybody work double time on the cgi and yeah it's gonna be done in two weeks and it's not gonna look good but uh you know we have to get we'll put it out, out anyways mm-hmm. well it's like yeah it's exactly compare iron man one to like any of the newer ones iron man one had had didn't have a big budget and used a majority of practical effects enhanced with cgi mm-hmm. now it's just now it's just uh you're in a, mo- a mocap suit running around like a giant green screen with like you just do whatever you want and it's like uh, i mean okay but iron man one's still the best so like i don't know what you're trying to accomplish here right <laughs> captain america winter soldier where what, 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 what was the practice what was the cgi in that movie yeah his arm his arm, his arm was a practical effect. Well, they did part of it CGI. Yeah. Okay. But, but I mean, yeah. What but else? again, it's yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. And why? And why is that one of the better Marvel movies, right? Mm. Or the writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, writing. it all comes down because to they, the they, writing. Because they had to write a movie that didn't include CGI. Mm-hmm. And now you have, and now you have X, who's launching a movie completely written uh in ai and and that's launching like this month and it doesn't look bad (laughs) so now now we got a problem so like let's have ai write a ghostbusters movie and just see what happens well what i I would say though i think what's helped honestly because i know the actors are back to work the writers are back to work these movie studios have lost millions of dollars but like every streaming service i don't know one that's reported like outstanding profits lately mm-hmm. right like there can, continues to be things at a loss peacock paramount disney the whole works is that a lot of budgets are getting reduced mm-hmm. or canceled like i just read blade the new blade that got pushed back they it's it's now sub 100 million dollar budget i was like what the hell were they making if they needed more than that like um that goes to to show you aggressive cgi that's not needed i think it's going to push hollywood in a different direction i'm hoping like my thoughts are there'll still be room for the big budget stuff but i think they'll be less aggressive i think they'll cancel a lot of stuff the budget's too high and it's going to force writers directors to make good quality shit and you don't put 200 300 million dollars you know putting lipstick on a pig if you will so i'm hoping that's the case and with that like all these movies now because uh of the delays in hollywood deadpool 3 cap american 4 thunderbolts blade all these marvel movies we've talked about do you think that's going to help i i hearing the whole blade thing that tells me it's probably going to help it's either they oh shit we gotta make this better or it could be disastrous and it looks like shit. I'm hoping well, for got, the other. So like Blade got Blade got pushed back, but it also got like an adult rating, right? It did get an R rating now. It got pushed, but they reduced the budget significantly. Mm. Sure. Yeah, they reduced the budget significantly. I guarantee you Wesley Snipes Blade movies budget wasn't that big. No. So like no. so so no. and no. those were fantastic. Like That's I'm sorry, I'm like I, I love the Blade movies with Wesley Snipes. Like they were they're great. Blade and budget then, and, is forty five million dollars. 
the original yeah mm-hmm. yeah make make this make this one 50 million dollars you have five million extra bucks because if you go watch a 45 million dollar movie like the original blade and you're like that's great and then you go watch a new blade movie that has like a, a hundred million dollar budget and you're like what the hell am i watching like there's there's your problem is like what what am i you know what am i watching i think the pushback for all these movies uh do i think it'll make for the better product overall I don't know. I don't know how much they give a shit, to be honest. I don't know. I think they're scared now because all these things have been failing lately. So they're going to want to fix the problem no matter what it is. It's like, you know, if we have to start over, but we're going to do something different than we've been doing. Because if they don't, they are just going to kill Marvel. Well, well, how many how, how many of the original Marvel movies came out before Disney took over? Like three or four. And those were all great. Just put a woman in it and make her gay. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like there You're was an article. Kidding. There was an article that executives now for top rated Hollywood reporter, I forget when it released, but the some of the top rated TV shows streaming or network were uh, cost anywhere from ten to eleven million dollars average per episode, and they're mm-hmm. looking to reduce that. To about six to seven million an episode, which is pretty significant if you think about all the production costs. And guess what would take the most of that budget? It's going to be special effects, right? So the writing better be good because again, if you you can't write like shit, we need a we need we have a gap here. It's let's just put Iron Man in a suit and fly him around the 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 whole city. You're not going to be able to do that. Oh, I'm gonna have to create interesting dialogue and a backstory for me to care about this character. So it's going to be it's going to be forced hand. It's going to be either good, or you're going to turn in a product that's like people are going to go, Jesus looks like it was made in the 90s. And that's what we're kind of seeing now with some of these series. Well, I I would say that the one of the, the major problems that this is all created is that there's no accountability at the top. And yeah. it comes down to that in the day, if you don't perform your job right, they let you go. And they used to do that a lot in the, um, you know, 80s and 90s in studios. Julie and I always have that joke that, you know, they were very good where if security showed up to your office, you know, after a weekend bad box office, they would hand you a box and that executive would be shown the door. But now what's happening is there's like, you know, there's no accountability, you know, at as much as, you know, we love Kevin Fergie for the things he's done, people have felt to realize that in the last um, phase and a half, he's lost probably as much money as he's made through the first uh, through the first four phases. But yet there's no accountability for it. They haven't went to him and said, hey, look, man, this is what we're going to do. We're going to reduce. You know, they, they gave him an actual bonus and actual more um, duties. And the same thing where you look at the Lucas films or you look at any of the other franchises, executives aren't held Netflix. You know, they've got these guys um, that are running through the SAG and the Writers Guild and they're on strike and these guys are complaining they're not getting their bonuses. And they're like, well, how can you get bonuses if the actual people that are working on these films aren't working? But we don't hold these executives to the same kind of esteem that any, any other normal job would be held. So now I think there is like Disney's pushback because Iger's looking around. And he's like, like we were making hand over fist money. We're not doing it now. 
So now where do I need to trim the fat? Who needs to start? What needs to start happening here? And now there's heat on Marvel. And now they're starting to say, okay, we just can't come out with like $30 million episodes that we have to scrap. Now we have to actually make sure that we're kind of running this like a professional studio will have to. So I think that the whole writers being on strike and the actors being on strike was a good effect for Hollywood. And the aspect is that you saw the value in the people that create the shows and they do the things they need to do. But also in the same way, executives can't throw money and just like, well, we'll just come up with any kind of form of entertainment. People's going to sit through it. No, you have to get people good actual product now. And I think now it's how can we get good product for less? That's going to be the main thing that's going to go on from this point on. Yeah, they're going to have to choose when they use the CGI and where they can, you know, cover over it and just be, you know, much more careful and actually write a good story for a change. Yep. Do you know out of all the Marvel movies, eliminating the three latest Avengers movies, Infinity War, Endgame, and Age of Ultron, what what do you think outside of those three was the highest budget of a Marvel movie? What would you guess comes in number four? Like the fourth highest? Fourth highest, right at following those three Avenger films that obviously had Endgame had like a four hundred million dollar budget. Oh, yeah. This one has close to three hundred million. Uh, the fourth Civil one. War. Any other guesses? Uh, let's see. Maybe uh, Thor uh, two. The, the I think what's called the Dark World or mm-hmm. yeah. The Marvels. No oh, Jesus. Yeah. Well. So talk about. Mm-hmm. trying to cover up a massive mistake and a failure you're anticipating by devoting close to $300 million at it. Mm-hmm. The highest budget outside of an Avengers film. That's crazy. Yeah, right. That needs to change. Right now, I think isn't it trekking the, for $48 million this weekend? Yeah. For, <laughs> it's curtains. Yeah. Well, and that's sorry, not I, I, even, don't think it, I don't even think it'll hit that. Uh, that's not even the marketing budget either, which is no, probably another no. $100 million. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jesus. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's, that's like, uh, like, so I know we have, I know there's like the, the John, the John Wick anime stuff, right? Like when you think about budgets and that, and that coming out. So it's, it, it would be interesting to hear what people, what, what everyone here thinks about that, but also, it's kind of interesting if you think about it, like we've talked about this before. Marvel has done great at like live action, but DC has done great on animated, mm-hmm. right? And like if you think about it, your budget for something like John Wick anime, you're going to get what you pay for because everything is animated, mm-hmm. right? And so you're realistically spending the time on writing, storyboarding, sending it off, and it gets animated. And it comes back, and it's like either really good or really bad. Like, what are you, what are you guys' thoughts on the John Wick anime? I think it's a smart decision for them, especially uh, while well, it's the same article we were reading that said the first um, the Continental excluded the directors and most of the um, creatives behind the John Wick films, and that's why the actual um, product seems so distant 
from the actual films. And so when you're looking at anime, you know, one, you're going to probably get a closer representation of what the films are going to be. Two is, you know, Connell Reeves just has to put his body through that kind of undertaking uh, if, if he voices it, which chances are he's probably going to voice uh, the character. And I think you're going to be able to explore other avenues that we weren't able to see. And this is something that I've, I've kind of been debating on is that like we did, we had to say the thing about DC and Marvel and they have like, you know, Marvel has or Disney itself has the money to to actually do an actual animated kind of situation with some of the um, uh, with some of the other films. And they don't do a good job of that. DC doesn't do a good job of live action, but they do a better job of animation. Now you're looking at something where I think this is going to be the blueprint, like the way they did the um, the Matrix when they did the Animatrix. You're able to tell other stories and not such an expensive avenue because anime is not like we're running like Pixar money in order to do something. Anime is a little bit more budget friendly compared to when they're doing it over in Japan and the work that's being done compared to doing a Pixar film here or something. So I think you're going to get more a streamlined story that's going to be from the creatives. You're right. The writing is probably going to be top notch, but the action and the um, the backgrounds that we can't necessarily get from a John Wick film will be explored into this. So I think it's going to be highly successful. Yeah, because I'm thinking of uh, like the animated sequence in Kill Bill. Mm -hmm. Like I could mm -hmm. see that kind of a style would work really good with John Wick. Um, but, uh, you know, any of that anime style could be really cool. And we were talking about it a couple of uh, casts ago where something you could do is a prequel and show mm -hmm. John Wick at his height. And this is a perfect way to do yep. it is in anime you could do all of the cool uh gun action and uh yeah i think well, it'd be great i've heard the same studio they did at cowboy bebop is the studio that's doing the john wick and oh, if you look you at go. if you look at spike from cowboy bebop it's pretty much very similar to the john wick style of kind of thing so i think that you know you're going to get a very good product that's going to be something that i think we're going to Chances are you'll we'll probably see this on on maybe Peacock if it's still around, um, but I think that's going to boost in the same thing to John Wick lore, you know. Mm -hmm. Or do you think? Or do you think this will go straight to DVD physical media? Because <laughs> that is so that is supposed to be having a comeback. Yeah, yeah. I was reading the reading the same article. Uh, I think that it's you know when streaming first started. I thought that it was going to be the end of DVDs and they were like, okay, they actually plugged Disney pluses. All of the Disney library will be up on the, the Disney plus. And I thought, well, that's a heck of a value comparably where now I don't have to have this physical media in my house. I can basically watch anything at any time. And then slowly now we're starting to see that that actually wasn't a sustainable plan for studios that they basically made their money by, having other studios or other networks pick up their products and pay them for it. So, yeah, I think it's the same way that vinyl made a recovery. I think that digital, digital media uh, is, is going to open up the door for physical media to creep back in because now I'm starting to see that when I'm going on to like, you know, whatever streaming platform, they don't have like the, 
same volume of things that's like, well, this is not here and that's not here and that's taken down. And I thought we were supposed to avoid all this with streaming in the first place. So I do think that there's going to be a door open back up for physical media. Well, I think I think what will happen with streaming services, unfortunately, well, or fortunately, whatever, uh, you're going to have <laughs> you're going to have the Google store and you're going to have Apple TV. And that's that's where you'll go to find like all the digital versions of everything. And uh, just because, you know, no one wants to keep paying like the amount they're paying for every streaming service to just get one or two shows. Uh, and then you start end up finding out about Plex servers and everyone. And so, you know, I think what I think what will happen is we'll see uh, the decline of a lot of streaming services but some something like Apple or Google or Amazon is is going to house all of the streaming stuff because like right now I can log into my Apple TV and I can like buy a movie that's in the theater and watch it in my house for like a fraction of the cost. Like I'm not, you know. But like, if but they I, decide I, to take it off, then you have no access to that movie anymore. If there's sure. something you like, that's why I think physical media is never going to go away. It's like which, which a I, book. I a thousand percent agree on that. And there are some things that I actually thoroughly enjoy that I do have like the physical mm-hmm. copies of. You're not going to get a flux capacitor with yeah. the animated <laughs> series and all three Back to the Futures in it. Okay. Well, that's first that's, off. I'm upset that you have that. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though, is the. But I think to be clear, the physical media portion. When you say DVDs, I I think it's it's like the collectible stuff, like mm-hmm. the, the what you just outlined. I don't think it, I don't think anybody's interested in like Back to the Future. Exactly, <laughs> like that stuff is cool. It's a briefcase right? like, with Blade Runner yeah. in it. Jeez, it was fucking blockbuster over here. Well, look, this is again, we we were gonna have a debate about physical versus digital media. And yeah, digital okay, can't compete. Okay. Here we go. One here more, go. okay? Planet of the Apes. Oh, oh that's the rad. original movies. That's Come rad. on. That's rad. <laughs> <laughs> now it's useless, it's big, it's stupid, but I love it. Oh. Yeah. Well, I've got a. Oh, I've got a. This is Isaac Isaac Asmanov's robots VCR mystery game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got a few. Find that shit. I think next time we do some collectibles because I've got like a bunch of like cool Blu-ray DVD stuff. But I think that is the future. I will also say, you know, people like the vinyl portion Mm -hmm. of music, the vinyl piece, because it's like. You know, it's it takes you back to a time. It's still the physical thing, but there's something retro about it. Mm-hmm. I think, if anything, and I, I'm starting to see this more and more, laser discs. I'm not saying they're going to be explosive, like exploding, because it's hard to find a laser disc player. It's so much easier to find a vinyl player. But I think laser disc is, cool, is kind of a cool hobby that's catching on for some of those old films and it's super collectible too. Like well, that physical asset. You do ass. have to switch it over halfway through the movie though. <laughs> that yeah, sucks. But hey, it's okay. It's all right. No, you don't. You're changing you a had, real If you had enough money, that shit would do for you. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I think I think time 
there's no question. I think there there's going to be. I just hope the the new generations of folks and you know people who love film and TV they carry that on. And I don't know if it's DVD, if it's Blu-ray. Does anybody remember HD DVDs? I, I guess Blu-ray. Heck yeah, that I have more. some. Mm-hmm. I know, but like, remember, like, does anybody have Betamax? Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think there's something cool about that, especially if you love a film, you love a franchise. There's nothing better. Speaking of nothing better in terms of physical assets, um, toys. Mm-hmm. And before we jump into our last topic, which is what, what's the crew watching today? I think a special shout out to a couple of uh, uh, toy folks, including our sponsor. So mm-hmm. as always, I'll turn it over to Mr. Storm to talk about our great sponsor, but also a comment from uh a special shop of, of Chet Maddox realm. Yes. Well, we're going to go with the, the Chet Maddox scenario. Um, you know, we have a, an Instagram, if you guys don't know, it's, uh, you know, go over to Instagram, the, uh, shadow knows, uh, network at Instagram. So you can actually go follow us there. But, uh, you know, we post there every now and then little clips from the show or the little post or any kind of things that we find that we can't really kind of do on the podcast or we can't really do in any of the videos. So uh, this week we posted, uh, uh, Mr. Chet Maddox uh, did a great job of gifting me the, uh, the his tank for my uh, birthday, but it was his tank three sent it all the way from, uh, well, we're not going to give us locations, but the other side of the country over to my, back to Southern California. So uh, I was looking at the pricing and I remember when they had that up on on um on the Hasbro Pulse or any other points, it was I think it was like a thirty five dollar forty dollar thing. So uh, at Oli's it was for uh, twelve ninety nine. It was like wow, that's pretty good. So we posted that on our our website saying, hey, you know what? It, it and I've seen this on all the other YouTuber toy YouTubers. So it's not like exclusively that we've done it here. We see it all over the place. Oli's is blowing up. Uh, people are knowing you can go get great deals on Marvel Legends or G.I. Joe Classifieds or any other action figures that basically are overstocked. So we put it up and uh, we mentioned, hey, you know, to go to Oli's. And of course, we tagged Oli's in. And Oli's gave us an actually very fun reply uh, back, which I thought was actually kind of cool because it's, an, you know, Oli's is still a major outlet. And for someone over there to just be like, you know, hey, let me throw this back at, you know, these guys. I thought that was that's really cool. You're not going to see Hasbro really kind of do those kind of things. You don't see Mattel or any of the bigger corporations. But it's nice that uh, Target definitely won't, uh, you know, hit anybody back, especially here, how much we bash Target. <laughs> but uh, it was kind of cool that Oli's kind of gave us a little love on that. And uh, so when we mention places to go to, we're going to tell you, Go to Oli's. Thank you, Oli's, for the shout out. But also, our sponsor is Toys vs. Games. And they are a sponsor because they are a mom and pops and everything. And they actually, they do give shouts out. So, you know, and they're going to look at all the products and the things that are coming out. They're going to get you the stuff that you need. And you're going to go in there. You're going to feel like you're getting the attention when you're walking in and purchasing something. It's Shadow Store by Trade. It's in Wilmington, California. Uh, we thank them for being a sponsor of the show, Toys vs. Games. If you want to go in there and actually uh, you know, pick up old uh, video games from anything back from the earlier models to the latest ones, they have it there. They do trades. It's just a really good kind of store that's a throwback to when you used to go down to those stores other than the big chain. So please support them if you're in Southern California. And even if you're flying to Southern California, stop by there in Wilmington, California. 
before we do a recap on the channel, last thing, what are you watching? Uh, what are you waiting for? Quick rundown, 30 seconds around the horn. Dr. Brantley, what I, are you watching? What are you looking forward to? I am watching The Curse of Oak Island. It's come back for its 11th season. And this year, they're definitely going to find it. <laughs> I've been watching for 10 years now. They're this close. They're this close. They're going to get it this time, though. I'm pretty sure. And, and what are you looking forward to? I was thinking about this and there's not that much the probably the next thing right now that i know of i'm looking forward to is deadpool mm. okay. I, I can't think of any other things that are coming out that i know of that i'm that interested in All well, right. lucky for you deadpool got pushed back <laughs> <laughs> yep Miss, mr chet maddox what are you what are you watching what are you looking forward to Watching my blood pressure and looking forward to lower blood sugar. Uh, I um, I am watching House. I started it again. I don't know if you I don't know if you guys have seen. I've that, seen it, but uh, but I'm telling you right now, I started it. I'm on like episode five, and it's like one of the best TV shows I've it watched is. in the last ten years, and and that's old. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm waiting that I, I also am, well, two, two things, uh, I'm, I'm going to wait for Deadpool. I think it's, I wasn't upset with the second one. I, I think it was, I think it was fun. Um, and I think I'm also extremely attached to what's happening with Blade because, because of the fact that I do love the Wesley Snipes blades. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with it. I'm excited to see what happens with it. Even if it's bad, just, I, I'm hoping that it's not. Uh, so I think, I think that's it. So yeah, so I'm watching house and uh, looking forward to Deadpool and blade. <laughs> Mr. Storm. Uh, two things. One, which I, uh, the, with the whole strike and everything else, I didn't know there was anything new coming out, but uh, the second season of quantum leap, uh, I was pleasantly surprised by the first season. Uh, I I was kind of like, all right, this is a reboot. Is it going to work? Is it not? They actually did a good job of of a, a throwback to the original series, yet made it their own. And the second season started even better. So I'm kind of shocked. There's, I think, there's five episodes of the second season, and I thought that was going to be delayed uh, due to the strike. But they've been pleasantly surprising. And the second thing that I'm watching that I was uh, that was pretty good. It's on uh, free, <laughs> but. Uh, it was at one time on Amazon, uh, Bosch Legacy. Um, just a, a great show. Great actors involved, great direction. Uh, the second season of that just uh, premiered the last couple of weeks. And uh, I just saw the, the season finale of it. Very good show. What I'm waiting for is uh, Echo because of the fact is that that character was... I, I loved it in the, um, the Hawkeye series. And... It, it looks the trailers and everything, even though I've heard there was a little problems behind the scenes and everything, but the, the trailer looked pretty good. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to Echo because Loki wasn't, I think, up to the cuff this time around. So I'm looking forward to having like a new Marvel series to actually watch. I will say what I'm watching, which is so far different from what I typically watch, but it was recommended to me and I'm, I'm no, no way into 
Formula One racing, mm. but there's a series on Netflix called F1 Drive to Survive, and it chronicles, uh, there's five seasons, I'm into episode five, season one, all the drivers and the teams and the drama and the races unfolds. And it's pretty crazy how well documented and filmed it is. And you'd think it was scripted because of all the drama and the characters. Super interesting in the world of racing. I had no idea. But for a change, because I couldn't find anything was like super cool. Some of the stuff's already ended and some of the new stuff is trash. I've I've gone to reality TV in a sense, docuseries. <laughs> I think that's where the future is, to be honest with you. Uh, so I would recommend you don't have to be a racing fan. I wasn't, and I'm into it. And what I'm really looking forward to, this is light years away, but James Mangold at the helm of the Star Wars uh, franchise. I know Dave Filoni's taking a part of it. James Mangold's going to work on some other stuff. I want to see his take because I think it'd be cool and interesting. Filoni's proved out to be a, a really great Star Wars uh captain there obviously coming off ahsoka and the, the work he's done on the animated side of things helping with mando uh, but i want to see someone's else rendition and take uh you know post lucas so i'm looking forward to that it's probably years from now but uh the other the other side of star wars where that that goes but he's made some really great films and uh i can't wait to see his take so um Channel updates real quick. We've got uh, more retrospect uh, happening again. If you haven't checked out the channel, Dr. Brantley and uh, Mr. Storm continue to provide some really great retro retrospect series. Uh, so again, if you're in the kind of the, the classic um, movie monsters and some of the classic films, even some of the current stuff, I'd recommend you watch it. Uh, what's, what's up next? Uh, in the in the lines of retrospect, what do we look forward to in the movie monster scale? Well, Dracula is coming soon. Yeah, Dracula, and I think that's probably the the best one of the retrospect. We're gonna catch it. I thought the the Wolfman was pretty good. Uh, Frankenstein, we kind of muddled through it because <laughs> it was a little tough. Uh, <laughs> the Mummy was decent, but Dracula is probably gonna be the best episode so far. Awesome. Awesome. Well, please take a look at that for, for all of you listening. Uh, new Unbox episode with the with uh, chat. Obviously, uh, enjoy those. Some interesting toys and other things. So I know Chet's closet's full of uh, interesting things. What's up next? Anything in your, uh, your toy box, sir? Yes. Uh, so uh, there's... So this one's going to be the last one that's not like a series, but uh, ALF is coming up. The convention exclusive ALF is coming up. And then the next one, I just actually picked up the final one to unbox them in the series. But the last Ronin NECA toys, mm. um, I found the Walmart exclusive all white okay. uh, last Ronin mm. toy. So I have four of them now that are that are going to be unboxed and then that'll lead into a good amount of uh unboxing those and then after that is the uh batman animated series figures all, all of them yeah yes, i found a batman one finally at target so i've got uh got three down uh, a couple more to go but uh alfred alfred's coming out uh this week that. i think I awesome awesome uh, uh obviously shadow uh toy hunts more coming 
Uh, I love those those takes. Uh, you know, I think the the last episode was pretty funny. But again, if you're looking to uh, identify best deals uh, across uh, the country, specifically in parts of LA, it definitely stumbles across some interesting toys I would have never imagined would wind up in some of these places. He so did. keep watching there. Um, and then, uh, you know, for those of you who are into wrestling, the Tech Master returns. Uh, some interesting things in the world of, of pro wrestling. Again, uh, the whole merger with the UFC, some big stars returning, coming back. So uh, looking forward to that. And then last update, Mr. Storm attending a big, uh, big show. What, uh, what do you want to say to everyone in the, uh, the toy universe would, of, of your appearance? I would love to see that that's actually big, but it's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to GI Joe fans, it's, it's damn big. It's, yeah, yeah, there's. Big. I just um last year I heard about it and I didn't really um do it. I stay out in the Inland Empire, so it's kind of like outside of LA. And there's uh the uh, SoCal um Joe uh, Joe show, which is a very GI Joe centric show that's going to be on December 10th in Temecula, California, out here. So I'm gonna pop in and see what this is all about because I've seen a couple other uh, toy YouTubers that are uh, from this area as well that's went down to it and i'm looking forward to just going there so i'm gonna shoot some video you know walk around and see believe me no one's gonna notice i'm there <laughs> but uh <laughs> it's gonna be cool just to to pop into another one and then also remember december 1st to the 2nd uh is gonna be uh comic-con la out here which is a pretty big mm -hmm. event for us so you know i don't know i know we were all talking about trying to attend to that but we'll see but i definitely will be at the uh, socal joe show on the uh, the 10th of which also let's just let's just be honest if uh if the uh you know la comic-con thing happens and we all show up there might be an even bigger event, which is Maddox versus Storm's barbecue. So, <laughs> that's yes. uh, <laughs> we got we got to be careful with that. I I would be the guest, so I would need some equipment. But, <laughs> I think we can find uh, you some. Yeah. Well, thanks all for listening, for viewing uh, the Shadow Crew podcast. Subscribe, like, share. It helps us grow the channel. We appreciate you again, as always. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time. Adios. Peace.